Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, host Penn State, Indiana. A 33-24 win for the Nittany Lions. I made a mistake already, Dusty. I said, it's me, it's you, it's me, you, and baby Charlotte, isn't it? Well, the good news is, so she's about six feet from me now, 11 months old. She, when she's happy, she's loud. When she's mad, she's loud. When she's sad, she's loud. So you know that she exists if she's being loud. (laughs) We definitely do. I thought you were going to say she's loud when she's happy and she's louder when she's upset. Uh, That too. We are going to get to Penn State, Indiana, but I have one more note. Over the weekend, I got to see my niece, Allie, okay? Not a huge football fan necessarily, but in her work, she has to be on the road all the time. She started listening to our podcast. So shout out to Allie for listening. But It's the beginning of the end, kid. <laughs> her observation of our show. That Dustin you talk to, he's a pretty smart guy, isn't he? She needs um, listening comprehension skills, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> She's clearly not getting the message from me. I need to, I guess I just need to dumb it down more. Uh, you could fool some of the people some of the time, Dusty. So, <laughs> and there's, there is proof of it. So shout out. Hey, Allie, hope you're listening. All right, Dusty, let's talk Penn State, Indiana. You know, just to start, the first question a lot of people were, I think James Franklin had even talked about it, is they lost to Ohio State last week. Very emotional. You don't want to lose to Ohio State twice. Yeah. They almost lost to Ohio State twice, didn't they? I heard that phrase at some point or saw it on social media at some point during the game. Uh, and I was like, man, that's a that's a good thought. I never put it in those terms before. Um, but it's always a threat. Um, especially in these circumstances when it's not the first time they've been in these circumstances where a lot, a lot rides on it. You know, the, the, the season of the highest hopes looks and feels realistic to everybody. You know, the, the, I don't know if anybody's saying undefeated or whatever, but this was, this was really the team in the year. So I think the players feel that the coaches want to talk about, Hey, it's all, all the mission is one and oh, all the time. But like, these are all human beings. And I think, you know, the, the, hangover against Indiana was inevitable. And I think I said it, I said it in last week's show. It's like every time they've got that hangover, there's Tom Allen clapping and clapping and clapping on the Indiana sideline. And what do we get today? That, that same, that same thing. So I know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they won, they won the game. They worked through it. Uh, I think there are some nuggets from both this game and Ohio state that can help this team going forward. And, you know, I think some of that pertains just as a little spoiler to what we'll eventually get to, to the way that they seem to be viewing their offense. And, you know, there's a few of those nuggets that I really would like to hop on, some positive nuggets there, Dusty. But first, you know, from that overview, watching this offense, a lot of it was just more of the same, wasn't it? Uh, it's, and I don't know if my, maybe we're more sensitive to it, but every, a lot of plays make me groan just a little bit. You know, it's like we've we've seen we've seen this before. 
A lot of times we've seen this before. But I did think that in this game, they were more inclined and more invested in letting Drew drop back and look and have his eyes begin down the field. And maybe they worked this week or, or this season or last two weeks on having him keep his eyes locked downfield for maybe a split second longer. You know, maybe a half a second longer staying locked downfield and and not checking it down, it, it helps. And, you know, I mentioned this to somebody last week. I, I don't know where the blame begins and ends as far as, like, is Drew Aller a little tentative or the are the coaches coaching him to be tentative? Are they so carried away with mitigating risk that they're not allowing their quarterback to be himself? I think there's some truth in some of those questions. And uh, this was the, this was the first game. Cause what do you, I mean, how many throws do you think he made that traveled 15, 20 yards plus down the field? It felt like in this game, as many as he had thrown in all the other games combined, because that number was not very big. Well, and, the times that he did it in this game, it was throwing the ball over the top. Some of them, it was, uh, you know, either covered very well or there was a very close one with uh, McLean where I thought it was an excellent pass. I mean, he put it about the only place he could put it, and I actually felt like McLean lost his stride a little bit towards the end of it, and that might have been that step that was the difference between getting there or not. So, you know, I thought that was a was good. My question, though, Dusty, is what's the after effect of doing that, even if you're not completing the pass? Are you loosening up the defense when that happens? Uh, I mean, certainly you have to make the other team feel pain before they really respond to it. But I think you can look, you know, from any vantage point in the stadium and, and be like, Okay, that kid throws a good deep ball, you know, and 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 they're willing to take that shot. Like I think it might loosen some things up a little bit, but there's no replacement, I don't think, for being successful with the thing. You know, it's one thing if if you have uh, you know Penn State's running backs, oh they're this close to breaking one, but they never actually break one. The other defense doesn't adjust that hard until they're struck by it. So I think you could look at it and be like, okay, there he's bound to hit one soon because you know a lot of those balls he's thrown out there are. are they can only be caught by Penn State's guy, but a lot of times they're just out of reach, whether he's overthrowing it or whether they're not running under it as much, whatever. Um, the, but I, I think just the effort to make that connection and the effort to think more vertically, it struck me in this game plan. You know, I think you did see more of the, some more of the same. Uh, I think, you know, you, there are some things that are maybe overused or whatever, but I, I, I saw a little bit more imagination and a little bit more Drew being himself and, and feeling comfortable with that. And again, I mean, we talked about this before Ohio State and after, you know, taking it on the road is, is, is what I want to see next, is, is being that aggressive and taking those shots and Drew Aller, you know, doing that with confidence, you know, to say this week at Maryland. And the thing is, though, Dusty, with this offense, you talked about let's see it on the road. But even for this home game, it was funny. Uh, in the press box at halftime, I was talking to our buddy Jeff Byers. And I said, well, Jeff, they've got 17 points up here at halftime. They do that again. It's 34 points. Again, they're scoring over 30 points. So nothing to see here. This offense is fine. It's a finely tuned machine. But boy, it never really felt that like that, did it? Oh, it's clicking. Well, I mean, it's it's been it's been almost all the games. You know, I think you can shove UMass aside. 
Uh, I think Iowa was a very successful effort, even though it wasn't their most high, highest scoring game of the season, given the defense and all that. Um, they've had some some good performances, but I think for the most part, a lot of these offensive performances, you may, you you end up wondering how they put that point total up. And that's just been the vibe all season long. And, you know, I think what ended up happening, I think, you know, you as an athlete or you as a team or you as a coach, you tend to do your most evolution and your most addressing, your hardcore, you know, get to the drawing board and fix things after you lose. I think I think a lot of people in the program were were feeling very comfortable because what they were doing was working in that regard, had themselves convinced that all they had to do was just complement the defense and they're good to go. Uh, I think a lot of times that might be true, but this is a group at some point in time, at least in those two highlight games, Michigan and Ohio State, you're going to have to get on your horse and you're going to have to mount a drive. They they were in that position and they they failed pretty spectacular on the big stage. And maybe it's prompted some of the changes that, you know, a lot of fans and uh, Corey Geiger were looking for within the past <laughs> few weeks. Uh, yes, uh, Corey Geiger has... Uh gained many fans in the last couple of weeks. And it was also interesting to me, uh, Dustin, looking at the drive chart. Do you know in the first half of the game, there were 15, 15 possessions. 10 of the 15 yeah. possessions were less than two minutes. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't go as gaga for drive charts as you do, but there's, um, uh, that's good information. I do go gaga for drive charts. I, th- I think you do. You love yourself. <laughs> love yourself a drive chart. But now that also included the the two big plays from Indiana, which which we will get to also. But I guess my point being, you know, there's 15 possessions. Penn State, I guess, had seven of them or eight, whatever, seven or eight. I guess seven, and they only scored three times. You know, so if your defense is either getting you the ball back quickly after a three and out, or they allow the offense to score in one play. You keep getting the ball back and getting possessions and you've got to capitalize on them. So I think this, that narrative we had prior to Ohio state, Hey, why worry? We're averaging 40 points a game. How much of that was just the defense getting you the ball back quickly a and lot. giving you more possessions? A lot, a lot of it was. Nobody felt uncomfortable because the defense was so locked down in, in these games that they didn't get they didn't get to feel uncomfortable when the when the offense wasn't really working all that well. Or you know you get a short you get the short field you get the uh, right back another opportunity because the defense forced the three and out. There's been a lot of benefits to that, uh, and it is worth noting in this game. You know talking about slow starts. Drive by drive for for Penn State. Now look who's going gaga for drive charts. Nineteen <laughs> yards, eight minus four. Uh, the thirty-two yarder where they got the ball in the short field. Sixteen yards, sixteen yards. So outside of that one drive, and that was what the uh, the muffed punt uh, return, the yes. muffed catch. Uh, they that set up that thirty-two yarder, and then they had another short drive where they got a field goal. To, you know, this offense did not get a lot going, but they closed the first half on that note. And they opened the second half on a high note too, and now that, that was pretty much enough in this game. Indiana, Indiana made it interesting, uh, and we'll talk about the way that Penn State finished as well. But uh, yeah, I think you just got to take the take the outcome and and go with it. And I, I I am seeing 
some things and some efforts that I've, I deem to be positives out of it, even though you can talk about slow starts and the defense uh, all day long. Well, we do have that slow. Sh- and speaking of loving the drive charts, I have in my notes, Dusty, 19, 8, and 4 yards for, for those first three possessions. That's how they started. And, yep. Yeah. And that's it's it's a trend. It's not a random thing. Oh, this particular game, you know, the start. It's every game we see that. And I need to go back, speaking of dry charts, go back through every game and see the first one, two, three possessions. Have they scored on a first possession yet? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'd be I'd be fascinated to see. They never. There was like five games before they even got the ball first in any game. <laughs> well, uh, they still had to have a first possession for themselves. Correct. Yeah. But anyway, all right, Dusty. That's it for quarter one. We'll continue this conversation in Q two. Stick around. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. It's quarter number two. We're talking Penn State, Indiana. Penn State ultimately won the game and There were some nice things at the end of the game that we definitely have to get to, uh, Dustin. But I want to go back again to this offense. And one of these, you know it's my pet peeve. And I still it still bothers me so much. You're running a read option. The option being the quarterback pulling the ball out of the running back's gut and running it himself. I wish I knew the count of how many those plays they run all season. But by my count, Drew Aller has pulled it once, once all season. And I think it's less about what Drew Aller would do when he runs it, although I think there's openings there, and more about having the defense not focus so much on the running back because they have to respect the quarterback pulling it. And I was amazed, finally, finally, in James Franklin's uh, press conference post-game, 
he actually said, you know what? Maybe we need to have Drew Aller do that more, pull it and either run or even throw the ball. And did you notice that Bo Prabula, when he's in there, him being able to run the ball creates some openings from Trey Potts. Now, my response to that, Dusty, is that is why James Franklin makes $7 million because he comes up with that original thought which nobody else has ever said this season. Yeah, I mean, bravo. It's the the, the relative theory of football is being <laughs> solved. It's the it's the Einstein of uh, of uh, college football right there. And I mean, I, I know it's your pet peeve with the why you're running the read option if it's not really an option, you know. And and that's that's the way that it has has seemed. And I'm just theorizing. Speaking of theory, um. I th- I just think in general, the Penn State coaching staff and Mike Yurcich and James Franklin, they put a lot, a lot of emphasis on the idea of protecting Drew Aller, protecting him from making mistakes by having him, you know, really in a zone where checkdowns were real, were the only thing for a long stretch of the season. And that didn't, that didn't really change that much. I think this was the most change against Indiana that we've seen as far as that, that play calling philosophy goes. And I think it's protecting him by, you know, using the running backs, obviously that you've got and, and staying on schedule and, and falling in love with, you know, being uh, on time in your drives and having manageable third downs. Uh, that strategy worked out great against Ohio state for sure. Uh, <laughs> creating manageable third downs. Um, and then I think as far as this goes, this is a long walk for a short drink of water or whatever the phrase is. Um, I, I think the protection involves not having him get beat up, you know, and, and I think the, the, the idea of putting Drew Aller in a bubble, it just feels like it was at the heart of this offense for a while. And, I, and I'm not putting, I'm not getting too far ahead of myself, but I, I, I really feel like the way that uh, they allowed Drew Aller to to take some shots. Which I, I really feel like it, this was the most shots that he took by a pretty co- a significant margin in, in a game. Uh, I think I think they're nearing where where they would want to be, where they're just saying like, you, you know, our five star quarterback. We have to give him a chance to be a five star quarterback. You know, we haven't maximized. Uh, what he sees and, and his chances to be successful in a, in a wide number of ways, but I, I I came away a bit encouraged. I know that they didn't execute it well, and it was a, it was a an interesting ride through this game against Indiana. But I think if they if they latched onto that little nugget in play calling and they latched onto the idea that you're going to have to take some risks with your freshman quarterback in order to get maximum rewards from him, I feel like that's a win in itself. And again, I feel like you have to get you have to get beat. Sometimes before you really truly learn that lesson, their formula was working. They were six and zero. They were averaging forty plus points. Their formula was working until it wasn't. And then th- that this is the most that I think we've seen go back to the drawing board this year. I think a lot of us thought, "Is this fool's gold?" Or at least we were asking that question through the first six games. And circling back to my pet peeve, because in the end, this is about Jim and what Jim thinks that I was convinced in my head that, you know what, Drew, let's just play it safe, give the ball to the running back until we need you to do that. And through the first six games, didn't need that, did not need that. Yeah, I thought we would see it against Ohio State because Ohio State would obviously be crashing down on the running back. So I 
may need to wait another week, although James Franklin gave us an indication may, maybe we will see it next week. Now, let's get you. I think you are right. He took more shots in the passing game, but let's go back to that running game and the idea of explosive plays. Last week, Ohio State, Allen and Singleton, a total of 18 carries. This game, Allen himself had 18 carries, Singleton 15. They corrected that, but again, longest run for Singleton, seven yards. Longest run for Allen, 12 yards. Singleton averaged less than four yards a carry. Yeah, and... You know his, his his rushing average, and I, I had a, you know a couple thoughts about this during the game. You you look at you I, I was ch- I was checking in on what their in game average was as they were going, and Singleton's never really took off. Um, they did say something on the broadcast I thought was interesting that I want to watch a little bit closer. I don't think I'll, I really watch this specific thing, but talking about when you're finishing runs, like both of these guys want to be the guy who quote unquote has that dog in him and finishes runs with authority and, and gets physical and runs guys over uh, where maybe there are opportunities to bounce it or, or make that guy miss instead of make that guy regret trying to tackle you. And maybe you can turn that into something. And the other part of it is like, I, I really feel like the, the rushing average statistic um, anytime you get separation in that number from full-time running backs, I feel like a huge part of that separation is not what you're doing on those you know, grind them out plays. It's the number of big plays that you create. And Singleton's rushing average was what, 6.8 or whatever last year because the big plays happened a lot. I don't think he's necessarily worse on these like down to down grind type runs, but we haven't really seen him. I don't even think all that close to breaking a big one. So I don't, I don't know what all goes into that, but it's, it's something to watch. Katron Allen did his thing. He always does his thing. His style travels. His style works well at home. Uh, he's just so slippery and he can get three, four, five yards out of, out of everything. Um, I, it's almost at the point where, you know, early last season as a freshman, you're saying about Nick Singleton is like, stop trying to break everything. And now you're, you're saying about him halfway through this year, start trying to break something, you know, like ba- bounce it. It's almost like he's, he took, you know, that the, his closing stretch last year and his mindset and, and kept that North South mentality. And I'm for it. But uh, I, I don't think he's given himself maximum possibility to create a big run out of it. And I don't think the offensive line, I don't think the play calling has, has done them much favor either. Uh, but again, one more time, I think the, if you're seeing their, the willingness from the coaching staff in particular to actually just start saying like, okay, our quarterback throws a good deep ball. Let's, let's, let's try that. Maybe it does start to shake things loose and you start to see one fewer guy in the box more often. And maybe that's enough for, for Singleton to start breaking the big ones. And I think they are responding. As I said, I believe there was a belief in that locker room that hey, nothing to see here. We're averaging 40 points a game. We don't need to change anything. Well, it was the rude awakening last week against Ohio state. And I, I think the lesson is still being learned against Indiana. We, we saw a couple things, you know, that were yeah. helpful, some of the deep shots, but they're still having this go on. And talking about Nick Singleton not bouncing it, the best theory, and I'm repeating it multiple times that we've done the show, but I think our colleague T. Frank had the best way to put it, where he said Singleton came in thinking he could bounce anything like he did in high school. And he did it enough times successfully, but there were times he tried to bounce it and lose yardage. 
he learned over time to do things the correct way, the right way, and he's hitting the hole he's supposed to, turning it upfield, but he's not bouncing it at all. Now he needs to learn how to break the rule. When should you break the rule of where you're supposed to go? And like yeah. that's that's the next phase. And you know, hopefully we'll see that. Let's I, I want to hit on well, go ahead. You had something, Dusty. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think just the the notion there, there's breaking one before the line of scrimmage, you know, behind your offensive lineman, not trusting what you see and bouncing it. And I think that was a lot of Singleton last year. And now it's like, as you said, trying to mishmash these two versions of himself together. It's like the conservative one is winning out. Um, but there's breaking runs after you break through the line of scrimmage too, right? Like if, if you're able to get past that, that first wave of defense, you know, instead of trying to beat a guy to the inside or, or try to run through him, maybe you try to bounce it at that point in time. You know, I, I think he is on this like journey of trying to find, you know, that, that sweet spot of, of when he's going big and when he's taking the yardage that's in front of him. And maybe he is just deferring more to taking the yardage in front of him this year. That that's what it seems to be. And before we get to the defense, because for a change, there's a lot to talk about there, Dusty. Yeah. A lot of it on the negative side. Just hitting on special teams, and I know it was called back, but Daquan Hardy, oh my goodness, is he a threat returning punts? Um, I mean, yes, of course, obviously. Um, and I don't care who you're playing. He's, he, he's moving at a different gear. Uh, on those punt return situations. And, you know, the the one that he broke that got called back, I mean, the way that he made a couple of those guys miss and the cuts that he made to get upfield uh, were incredible, you know, like to the point where it's like, okay, this, what we're seeing is helping his NFL draft stock. If, if somebody can get a slot corner who can make a contribution like that on special teams, he's going to be valuable for the NFL draft. And then my, my other thought that I had, and it's still hard to shake it. You know, I'm usually a glass glass half full guy. It's like, why was this not week one? Like, why was this not his first game back? And 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 I'm th- there might very well be a plausible explanation for it, whether he wasn't 100 percent or whether they wanted to save that or whether they wanted to get Caden Saunders X Y and Z. Maybe there might be a very good explanation for that. But it's hard to believe that you stack these guys up and there's a head to head competition for the punt return job. And Caden Saunders was the pick over. Daquan Hardy and we and that's not no knock on Caden Saunders we talked earlier you know probably about three four weeks ago about how you know Caden Saunders his presence on punt return as a redshirt freshman is a really good thing long term for the program I still think that but then we saw Daquan Hardy and the thinking changes yes and that return was pretty special there's some debate whether that block in the back actually broke things open for him I'm not sure hurt. it did. It didn't yeah. hurt because it was close <laughs> enough to the play. But it doesn't take away from the other moves and the things that Daquan Hardy did on the return where yeah. if you're an opposing team, you got to say, uh-oh, we're kicking the ball to this guy. All right, Dusty, yeah. that is it for quarter two. I promise, I promise we'll get to the defense in quarter three. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den. 
which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. It's quarter number three. We're talking all things Penn State 33 and Indiana 24. Dusty, we did a lot on the offense, and we will get to the end of the game, but I wanted to flip over to the defensive side first a little bit. What was more concerning to you, the two big plays or the two drives that Indiana had to start the second half, which I think 14 plays, although it ended up in a missed field goal, and then a 12-play march down the field. I made the point of you know 15 possessions in the first half, there were only four possessions in the um, third quarter. So yeah. Indiana really held on to the ball for a long time. So what concerned you? The two long touchdowns or the two long possessions? Uh, I mean, I, I, I would say probably the, the two long touchdowns. I mean, if you want to talk about inflicting damage, uh, I, I, I know the, I know the question, you know, like the, the, the drive, the, the long drive thing is getting, is getting beaten a little bit uh, for 12 plays, 80 yards for that. They're, they're real, they're really long drive, but the big play thing, I mean, you know, my, my general observation that I think goes along with the specific response to this is that uh, as much as anything, like Manny Diaz's defense is known for the unique packages and, and the blitzes that he runs and aggression and, you know, having a lot of talent on it, but, you know, one of the defining factors for me all season has been uh, the collective effort, hustle, speed, flocking to the ball in in waves. And I think some of that was absent in this game. And I think that's one of the areas where Penn State didn't have its sharpest edge as part of that Ohio State hangover. I just assumed this unit was going to show up. It was going to do its thing. I predicted a shutout in this game. I, I didn't think there was any way this version of the Indiana offense was going to move the ball with success. And not only did they have some of that success that you talked about with the long drives, they had the big play dynamic too. And, you know, Zachy Wheatley got beat by a couple steps off the line of scrimmage, and that was enough on that 90-yarder. Uh, there was an opportunity on that play to uh, make the tackle pretty close to when he caught it, and that tackle was missed. It would have been a 
it would have been an above average tackle, I think, for Cam Miller, but that tackle was missed and it sprung him for the big one. And then the 69 yarder was just a, bro- a breakdown in communication that it was uh, Jalen Reed out there well after the fact, Johnny Dixon coming off the edge on a cornerback blitz, just didn't communicate or didn't execute that the way that they wanted. So those are two big mistakes that that were made by an Indiana team that wasn't exactly known for its big play prowess. So not allowing big plays is something that is now on my radar of things. And I, I think it's part of the hangover. It doesn't concern me all that much long-term. It concerns me a little bit more because you don't have Chop Robinson. We don't know when he's going to come back. So the juice that that comes up with that edge rush was was you know taken away a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think um, I think this group just didn't have its maximum energy, didn't have its maximum focus, and certainly didn't get maximum results from this. And shout out to Jalen Reed, by the way, he was the two guy, he was the guy in the trail position for both of those long touchdowns. And he came back, he ended up leading the team in tackles. He got an interception in this game. Nobody deserved a, a takeaway more than the guy who got all that screen time coming up short of the tackle. <laughs> Wasn't in good position to make the tackle in either case, I, I think, but. But it was still that guy, so good for him. Well, see, I'm actually more concerned about the long drives compared to the two big plays. Yeah. To me, the two big plays were what I'll call blunders. You know, it probably a little bit miscommunication, lack of focus, and I think you're right in attributing that to coming off the Ohio State game and you know lo- losing some of the focus because of that but the what was concerning to me is I felt like okay that was the first half shake the cobwebs second half and again another one of our stories about one of our colleagues Andy Shea who always texts with me in game at uh, going into the second half he texted me okay what are you looking for for this second half what's what do you need to see and I said that first possession, so important. Boy, if they could just march down the field, get a touchdown, it resets the whole game, resets the whole tone. I wouldn't be surprised then, you know, if I would see a three and out by the defense, and now it's like, okay, everything's going and everything's on a roll. Well, what I saw was the exact opposite, Dusty. Yeah, yeah, and... Um, you don't, you, you, you have not come to expect that. Like, and I, I think, you know, Indiana, uh, their identity can cause a little bit of trouble. I, you know, I thought the Soresby kid, uh, early in his tenure as, as their, as their guy at quarterback, uh, did some good things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think there, there, there should be no planet where this group comes out, you know, this Indiana group and goes, you know, 12 plays, um, eight, I, th- I think it was 12 for 80. And that what, what I saw on that drive, they had a third and six from their own 49, a good opportunity, you know, an opportunity. I think it's safe to say you should convert as a defense to get them off the field or force them into a more desperate situation on, on fourth down. So they give that up. And I think the, the numbers went 11 yards on that third and six, and they went seven, seven, 26. And they were, you know, they were in the end zone. Uh, on that. So there was a chance there to get off the field against a subpar offense. And they, they just didn't, you know, I think lacking a killer instinct for a good chunk of this game too, is part of that hangover. So I hope that they work their way through this. You know, I hope, I hope they figured it out 
and uh, and and know how to bring back that razor sharp focus that I th- I think was a hallmark of all seven of their first games. Even the Ohio State game, the Penn State defense was there pretty consistently. You had a couple of hiccups along the way. Like, what was it? The, the Delaware running back broke a big one because you lost containment there. You lost your gap. Uh, that stuff's going to happen over the course of a season. But I think James Franklin and Manny Diaz would sit there and say, like, that should never happen twice against this Indiana team uh, on our home field. So there's... There's work to do there. They got to wake up a bit and uh, and and improve that showing at Maryland. Like I think at Maryland, that energy is going to be important, and uh, getting after uh, Talia Tungabailoa is going to be important and pressuring him into mistakes. So if that if they don't bring that juice back for next week, that could make it a pretty interesting trip to College Park. And you know, I'm trying to think through the schedule, but outside of Ohio State, Maryland is probably the toughest road game. And we have yet to see a good performance on the road. Right, right. And um, the the hope, I think the, the optimist in me, it, it, it kind of says, like, I think, you know, the coaching staff, I, I think they've made, they've started to make a transition, a transformation in how they view uh, calling plays for their first time starter quarterback. Like maybe, maybe the, this was a wake up call for coming out of Ohio State that they weren't really setting him up for success by really making him conscious of mistakes, really making him conscious of taking unnecessary sacks or, um, or not throwing it into any kind of one-on-one coverage. You know, you saw some of that th- this week and maybe that allows him to operate with more of a sense of belief, a sense of ownership of the offense. Now, when they hit the road for Indiana, I think the way that they were coaching him, like I, th- I think as, as a, you know, as a sophomore quarterback, he's got some growing up to do in terms of finding comfort in the uncomfortable on the road, getting out of his routine and not seeing familiar faces. Like he's got to work his way through that. But I think the way that they were coaching him for a while didn't didn't lend itself to road success for a kid who's already going through that. It'll be interesting to see that game. And I'm always curious about this. I'm uh, interested in seeing what that spread will be, Dusty. That's the important part to all of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, after after Maryland lost to Northwestern, I think we're we're gonna see uh, Penn State on the road. At Mar- I, I think the the oh the the usual Maryland is is emerging. I think there's there's a recognition of that. So I gotta think that Penn State is is easily a two touchdown favorite in that one. Yeah, it, and you hit uh, another one of my sweet spots there with Maryland. Maryland's gonna Maryland. And they are. it really struck me in the Maryland-Ohio State game where they played them so well. But once once it started to crack, that was it. It was over. Yeah. The entire wall I think, collapsed. I think um, Maryland, has, under Mike Loxley, like he's clearly done some great stuff and loaded that roster with, with talent and put them in position to, to play meaningful games. And I think that's a huge win for the Maryland program. But... He and the the teams that he have, has coached, I think they've taken on this part of his personality. Like, they just don't show that they care a whole lot about the little things, you know, the discipline stuff, the the avoiding penalties, the consistency. You know, I, I think making timely plays and timely mistakes, like that's been a consistent thing for them. So yeah, like you play Maryland on their best day, they're a really dangerous team because they're pretty talented and they've got a, a, an experienced quarterback, um, but 
you just don't see them on their best day. They're like the McDonald's French fries of, of college football of the big 10. If they're at their finest and just like you, Jim, I like you at your saltiest. If they're salted properly, they're great. If they've been sitting for five minutes and they haven't been heated up, they're awful. So uh, that's Maryland for me. The, the, the McDonald's of the big 10. Did you just compare me to a McDonald's French fry? Consider it a compliment, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, and I was I somewhere in there, maybe it was the transitive property, me being compared to a French fry, the French fry being compared to Maryland. That makes me like Maryland, which I don't want to be because, like I said, Maryland is going to Maryland. But let's we got ahead of ourselves going to Maryland. And we I really wanted to talk, uh, Dusty, and we'll start it now through the fourth quarter talking about a lot of big things happened at the end of this game. Indiana, you know, they were down 10 points. I thought that's it. Game's over. But they were very resilient. They came back. And we finally, we get Drew Aller's first interception. And I want to throw a quick observation at you. Somebody said to me, they can't wait for Drew Aller's first interception because Maybe he'll stop worrying about throwing interceptions. I think that is completely on point. I, I shared a pretty similar sentiment that it's good to get this out of his system. And he did it. He did it, uh, you know, in, in a tight game late, you know, like I, I think he made that mistake and he, and he learned, he saw firsthand. Okay. It didn't crush us. Like that's okay. And I don't want to throw interceptions, but um, the best ones do it. And he rebounded it from it well not that I expected anything different I know we didn't see the best Drew Aller last week so people are kind of down on him but I think composure and poise uh when he does make mistakes is going to be a strong suit for him over time I I do too and I I'm with you I do think there is something to just get that out of the way because he it may be just too quick to go to his checkdowns. All right, Dusty, we got one more quarter to go, and we've got several plays to talk about at the end of that game. We'll get to it in quarter number four. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We're wrapping up our coverage of the Penn State win over Indiana. And Dusty, let's focus this last segment on the end of the game and what happened. First, we had Drew Aller's interception. Penn State clinging to a three-point lead. Throws. It was a god-awful interception. Off-balance. Just yep. poorly thrown, all of bad decision, all of those things. But I'm gonna want to start by putting you, Dustin Hawkinsmith, into the mind of Tom Allen. Yeah. You're a heavy underdog. You're down three points. You get the turnover. You're deep in enemy territory. Time to go for the kill, to go for the win. He decided run for a yard, run for a yard, run for two yards, and kick a field goal. Uh, I, I read the transcript. I saw, I saw the transcript whenever they, they were on the headset making that call and Tom Allen said, they said, coach Allen, what do you want here? He said, love each other, Elio. <laughs> and that was it. He just said it over and over and over again. And so they, they didn't have anybody, uh, call, calling the play there. So they just went with what they had that allegedly, allegedly it was something like that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm watching the game, Dusty, and I completely that you, as I said, you're the heavy underdog. Do you've got Penn State on its heels? They, you, their quarterback is flustered. Don't you go for the win? I, yeah, I mean, you do. I like you, you, you just do. Um, and it just seemed clear to me that that Tom Allen um, recognized the opportunity to tie. And didn't really allow himself to recognize anything else. And now it's possible that they went three short yards, three short runs in a row. It was a four play, four yard drive is what it, what it went down as. Uh, but I don't think they wanted to risk anything to that position that they were in. And I, I think that's just kind of, maybe that's Indiana's problem whenever they're, they're down and out is that they they don't get bold enough, but they didn't get bold enough in this situation. Um, it was a quick change situation, uh, a, a very important, I think, momentum generating situation. And I think it was acknowledged on the broadcast, like Tom Allen's thinking here, let's get a field goal and put pressure on this kid. Uh, you know what would have created more pressure is a touchdown. So if that's if that's the logic, if that's what you really want, um, which I don't know why you would prioritize that over the scoreboard anyway, but. Oh, yo, um, you know, and play, you played on the road as an underdog to tie and you just, I don't know. You just don't do that. So Tom Allen, great guy. I don't know that we're going to see him coaching on the Indiana sideline for a whole lot longer. Probably not, but you know what? Not wishing for it, but I think facts are facts. Even, even Indiana, if they, if they only care about basketball over football, even they get, get a little tired of, uh, you know, going three and seven and stuff like that. But um, I made this point to somebody. It's like, I can think of three recent examples of coaches who you knew were in over their head, but that had experienced enough success that it bought them five years or whatever to, to coach and earn those jobs. 
uh, earn those salaries, I should say. Tom Allen's one of them. You know, uh, I think the the offensive line coach who took over at Arkansas is is one of them. Had some success that first year. Penn State played him in the bowl that year. Um, had some success, and now it's just like they're they're not failing enough to get rid of him. Uh, and you're in you're in purgatory. And uh, Clay Helton at USC was another one. A lot of people thought they never should have hired him, but he's going eight and four. He's going nine and three. It's hard to fire that guy uh, until it becomes more flagrant. That's where they're at with Tom Allen. There's just a few years down the road. Well, sometimes it's it's a unique player. Uh, Tom Allen probably owes his last contract to Michael Penix. He sure does, yeah. Just like Jimbo Fisher uh, owns his uh, big contract to Jameis Winston. Yeah. Uh, recently I saw – look it up. Jimbo Fisher's record with Jameis F- Winston and without him. Oh, and it's, wow. it's stark, I'll bet you that you is know? a sobering, like that's someone, a sobering number. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, yeah. who was it Gus Melzahn who, who won the national championship with Cam Newton? Yeah. And that he, he rode that for a decade. Yeah. You know, and that's where, well, anyway, let's talk Penn State, Indiana. And well, Penn, Penn play, State's involved in this. Like what you're describing, Penn State's involved in it. The 2020 season. The officials that day, the the week one loss yes. at, at Indiana, you know, like the, I, I, it would be fascinating to go back in time. Like if they made a Disney movie about it and uh, who, who was it that was right there on the tag was Jaquan Brisker, I think where he would have gotten a chance to like rub a genie or something like that and make the tackle there. What would have changed for Penn state? What would have changed for Indiana? Maybe not a whole lot of change. Maybe Indiana still bursts onto the national scene that season. Maybe Penn State still struggles in the COVID year. Maybe things change dramatically after that. Maybe James Franklin was playing the long game. Let Tom Allen have that game, and they renew his contract, and he's yep. around for, for several more years. Yep. Oh, yo! <laughs> but let's move on. And again, Indiana didn't play the game to win. You play the game to win, Dusty. And to Penn State's credit and Drew Aller's credit, they get the ball back. Drew Aller is coming off this interception. And now, Dusty, it's where we tie everything in that we talked about. The willingness to take the deep shot. Is Drew Aller now, after throwing an interception, it was the best thing for him. He's now willing to just chuck the ball around a little bit. Use that five-star arm. And the next thing you know, it's not, this is who we are. This is our identity. We're going to march it down the field. No, we get only the second play over 40 yards all season for this team. And that comes from Drew Aller right after throwing his first interception. I think they're tied in, Dusty. There's a lot of things that correlate here. If you're solving, well, we were talking about something that, you, that, uh, um, you talk about killing and it was a, an attempted homicide, whatever that was we were talking about. Um, he, he knocked, he knocked that out of his system. The, the, uh, another 40 yard drive or another 40 yard big play. This one was from the pocket though, Jim. Like, I think there's some significance with that. You know, the, the, the other one against West Virginia was to Keandre Lambert Smith. And it was, it was more impressive arguably, but it was also on a, on a little bit of a breakdown type situation. So, uh, that was a really beautiful throw. Uh, right where Keandre Lambert Smith could, and that, and that's kind of like what I think of when I say uh, throw it up for for grabs. Like 
Keandre Lambert Smith made the play when the ball was arriving there. You know, the def- the, the cornerback had kind of, yeah. and I, I've got it playing on a loop right next to where I'm, where I'm looking now. So I've watched it 19 times in the last five minutes, but uh, <laughs> you know, he was able to play that cornerback and, and get the separation he needed. It wasn't a 50, it's not a 50, 50 ball. If your quarterback can throw where only your guy can catch it. It's a 100 zero ball. Um, so this was a ball where if Keandre Lambert Smith didn't make a play on the ball, he made a good play on his man. Uh, nobody was catching it if, if Lambert Smith didn't. And it is such a pretty deep ball that he throws. It's You want to see more of that, Dusty. And maybe that's partially the wide receivers. Uh, you know, like I said earlier about McClain, you know, downfield. And maybe I'm judging him too harshly. But I still think a couple strides prior to the ball arriving, his stride broke up a little bit. And at the end there, he was just half a stride yeah. uh, away from it. But it was still, a, as you put, a well-placed ball that only he was going to make the play on it. And once more, that that's Drew Aller throwing a pretty ball. Then, Dusty, that leads to the next element of this game. It's still a one-score game. Indiana gets the ball back plenty of time, two timeouts. Somebody in the press box said, oh, they left them too much time. And I like it. When, talk about glass half empty response. <laughs> yeah, <know>? really. <laughs> so you got this big play. Then from the defensive side of the ball, Deny Dennis Sutton makes a huge play. And I swear to he was held on the play, at least seeing it live. That's what it appeared. I was already yelling for a holding call. He beat his man terribly and got to the quarterback. What a huge defensive play for him. And, and, and timely, you know, and I think there's some significance to, you know, Penn state, uh, having the, having the guys who, who are stepping up to make that play late. Now you would hope that given the talent level and, and all that, that they would be, but you know, I don't know if the night Dennis Sutton had, had, had gotten, had fired off a, a, a equal quality, um, pass rush all game long. You know, he, he didn't just bend the edge. He completely, he melted it. He completely, uh, deformed the edge and got, and got to the quarterback before the quarterback could really even sense he was going to be there. So it sets off this mad dash for the football and Hakeem Beeman had a couple swipes at it. Um, you know, he, he plays big and he, he, he was trying to corral that fumble like a guy who's even bigger than he is. It wasn't his, he's going to, he's going to remember that play for the rest of his life. Uh, he can laugh about it because they won, but he's going to remember it always. Then it, it it squirts out of bounds, and Adisa Isaac was bent out of shape about that, as, as you would expect. So it's 33-24 instead of 31-24, and there's less than two minutes to go, and they're, they're at 130-something. Not a lot of probability for Indiana to come back, but there is still the matter of closing the game out. And finally, to close out the, the game, Bo Perbola shows up. Yeah. And, and I think it's just so James Franklin can, can say to Mike Loxley, you see, you see that important situation. Bo was on the field. That, that, that package is going to grow for sure. Make sure you watch a lot of film on it this week. We've heard that before, but yeah, the, the running threat. And, um, you know, I think he's an interesting guy when he, when he's in there with the first team, because he presents the horizontal run threat and Nick Singleton presents and Katron Allen presents more than North South. So I think he, his presence can create a little bit of side to side 
uh, even if it's just their eyes, side to side movement for for defenses. I like the thinking there, but I like the finish. You know, you 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 everybody knows you're going to run, and you still were able to run. I think there's some positives to take away from that. Positives that Drew Aller stroked a really nice ball to to score that touchdown to Keandre Lambert Smith. Good finish there. Incredible catch. Tyler Warren on on the hands team, all American hands team member there, and then uh, and then closing out the, the the game. Last question: Is this team closer or further away from beating Michigan after this? I think they're closer. They needed a mentality change on offense, and I think the big national embarrassment that was that performance against Ohio State triggered what they needed to change from a mental perspective. What fans were screaming for weeks prior to this. All right, Dusty, that is the last word. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.